Hello, and welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast. Today's episode is a best of, featuring conversations we've had on this podcast discussing mentoring. This is part two. It's a follow-up to the best of the Faculty Factory discussions on mentorship, episode 152, that came out two weeks ago. This is part two of that episode. As a friendly programming reminder, please remember we'll be launching a new season of the Faculty Factory podcast in January 2022, so please stay tuned as season four is on the way. Today's episode features interviews we've had on this podcast with the following guests. Appearing in order on today's podcast is Clara L. Lapner, Wendy Ward, Dave Usum, Cynthia Rand, and Donna Vogel. Geez, writing a, a grant is hard. Writing a paper is hard. Doing science is hard. But psychosocial, you know, I got that. I'm a mature adult. I don't need help in that. So is it a hard sell for you to get um, faculty to understand that other kind of mentoring? Or is that just too soft and squishy and they think that's just not important? I think especially now people uh, see the importance of uh, of that kind of mentoring. I, there are different models that appeal to different functions. Uh, I think some faculty, especially women faculty, have, especially at Columbia, have been um, very involved in peer mentoring programs, um, which I think often speak to that psychosocial support need as well. But the the several different mentoring targets that we talk about that are essential for academic careers are really a way for faculty members to think about areas that they might need throughout their career. So, again, I mentioned the development of independent scholarship or research being particularly important for junior faculty members. As you progress as well, you also need help in developing your internal or external professional networks that are crucial to recognition um, as an independent scholar. Um, That is another mentoring target. Another one would be skill development. So as we talked about previously, you know, teaching skills, research skills, leadership and management skills, um, someone who will provide you with guidance along along the lines of where you might have gaps in getting to the, the next step in your career. Another target is knowing a mentor who will provide you with guidance on the requirements for academic promotion. If you are in a new institution and you want to um, advance to the next rank or to tenure, very often you need someone internal of the institution who will be able to give you that kind of guidance, who will be able to connect you with the processes in place for your promotion and tenure committees and get you in touch with those in your departments who might be responsible for that work and who can give you advice. And and that's usually someone who is internal to the institution specifically. And then another target is career planning. This does not have to be someone who is internal to the institution, but someone who you can work with who can help you develop an individual development plan and help you uh, plan your career and think about short-term and long-term goals help you think about what you want to accomplish within the year, what you want to accomplish five years from now, and where you see yourself going and making sure that you're on target. Again, that's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily need to be somebody who is within your institution. 
Another mentoring target is um, someone who can help with the management of career challenges. And this is another area that's extremely dynamic in nature. So it might be someone who can provide you with guidance for work-life balance, but it could also include someone who can provide you with guidance to help you negotiate for additional resources or a new position or someone who can help you with conflict management or help you transition to a new phase in your career. Um, This particular area is, again, very dynamic in nature, and it's very difficult to find someone, one single mentor who can provide guidance in in that area um, throughout the span of your career. And the last target is sponsorship. And that is someone who will provide you with those key strategic opportunities who will nominate you to speak at a conference, who will um, who will include you in an important um, paper. For example, those key strategic opportunities that are really important for the advancement of careers, especially in for junior faculty. And those are not necessarily folks who will be ongoing mentors who will provide you with those opportunities, but they are an essential part of mentorship for advancing your career in academic medicine. Just because a mentor-mentee relationship has been mostly conversational, it doesn't mean that they can't give you practical advice on a tangible product. And so providing your CV, especially if you're going up for a promotion or if you're going up for uh, a leadership role or something like that can be extremely helpful to, to getting feedback. Um, same thing with the promotion packet. Many really good mentors have been asked to look at packets before they kind of have an eye for what is a great way to present things, what isn't a great way to present things. And then also, since they know you, they might be able to say, oh, you haven't mentioned this. I think that's something really important about you. Let's find a way to work it in. Yeah. So that'd be another thing I would think about. As that relationship continues and you're asking for less specific advice, um, you might be asking more about help in a particular situation. So instead of just related to your uh, success as an academician, but you might be how to handle a difficult conversation, how to advocate for more resources for a program or for a raise or other budgetary changes, those kinds of difficult conversations. A mentor may be able to walk you through how best to strategically approach that with your target audience, and maybe you could even practice it with them and get some feedback during a role play session. All of those things um, mentors can be very helpful with. This is my solution to the mentees that complain that they don't have enough time with their mentor, and that is to get on a regular schedule with that mentor. So set a recurring uh, time and date and a frequency with mm-hmm. your mentor that both people can agree to. Uh, we we talk sometimes about, you know, some people need more time than others, but at the very least, you should be having at least one meeting a month with your mentor for an hour. We would like to see more, but get on the, you know, so you know it's the third Wednesday of the month at right. 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. You know, set set the schedule and make sure that even if uh, you can't make it, that you reschedule to keep that same frequency. 
I would say, however, you, you, you touched on and suggested, well, what if it, it goes wrong? And what if it's a bad relationship? And, and I think that's a, an important point to bring up. I, I think it is a reality that, that sometimes either assigned mentors or mentors you selected yourself, that the relationship doesn't work out. And that can be that can be complicated. And, and how do you approach it if it is unsuccessful? And, and typically, the causes of mentoring failure are, are poor communication or lack of commitment or, uh, in some instances, just lack of experience and knowing how to do it. You know, mentoring is a skill you, you acquire over time. Some of the most negative mentors, are, there's actually a term for them. They're called tormentors. The, <laughs> the people that, you know, they may think they're wonderful mentors, but they actually, as opposed to building you up and supporting you, they, they actually tear you down and make you feel devalued and, and uh, make you actually think about getting out of the field. Yeah. Uh, so if you're in that situation, if you have a mentoring relationship that's not working, the first place is, you know, a little self-inspection. You know, what's my role in this? And have I been communicating well? Have I been following through? Am I uh, am I proactive in my menteeship? Am I taking ownership of my own career and making appointments and attempting to connect with my mentor and attempting to move forward? If that isn't the case, and, and you have never addressed this with your mentor, the first strategy is to try and work it out. You share your concerns. You sit down and you, you just say, you know, I, I somehow or another, this is, you know, I feel like I'm not benefiting the most from our relationship. Have, what have been your thoughts about our relationship? Ask for feedback from your mentor on how they think it's going. And after working it out, the next step would be supplement it. You know, again, you know, if this is, if the person is perhaps just a little clueless in some areas, uh, but brings you certain skills, maybe they know the content or the science really well, but they're just completely useless in career mentoring, and then you add additional formal or informal mentors. Yeah. If the mentoring relationship is truly toxic, if you have a tormentor, if you feel demoralized, or if you you find that you you just are finding no reward in this relationship, then end it. Change mentors. It's it is it's appropriate and necessary and, and fortunately it doesn't happen a lot, but it, it happens regularly. The mentor's responsibility is to provide opportunities to become visible. What is that? To give talks, to go to meetings, to go to other departments and give seminars, to send in abstracts and have posters and presentations at conferences. It is also to find opportunities for awards, to tell the student or the trainee that there's some travel money you can apply for that maybe you didn't know about, or to nominate them for an award if it's their job to make that nomination. But when it comes to visibility, the trainee also has responsibilities, and that is to follow up on those opportunities, to go ahead and write and submit those abstracts, and to take an active part. We talked in a previous podcast about becoming active in professional societies, and that's a key piece right here. Mm -hmm. 
it's the responsibility of the mentee to become that active participant and to get out there and not just show up at the meeting, but to take an active role. You are so famous for everybody loves your mentee rules in the play on words. You always say mentees rules. Uh, that's, you know, such a highlight. And every time you have, you offer that seminar at Hopkins, you've got like a hundred people in it. So why don't you tell all the folks who are listening around the world about a little bit about your mentees rules and mentee rules? Sure. Well, the, the play on words is related to the fact that I think that the mentee is the one who should be ruling the relationship. So you rule, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, uh, because the mentee has to take the bull by the horn and really sculpt the relationship. At the same time, the play on words is there, there are some rules of the road for having a good mentor-mentee relationship. So I use that as sort of a, a play on words. Um, when I When I do the seminar, I usually will survey the attendees to determine what their issues are that they are experiencing in their mentorship uh, relationship. And, you know, hopefully a lot of them are having wonderful relationships. But as I said, it gives me a better sense of what is happening out there and what the failures are. And as I said, the number one is always uh, my mentor is not, you know, doesn't have enough time for me. That's that availability issue. And Unfortunately, number two, even in, even in a place like Hopkins, sometimes it's I don't have a mentor, yeah. which is which is an even worse issue. Um, but then there are the issues of you know my mentor doesn't understand my needs or doesn't advocate for me, and that's why I say um, you know having an altruistic or an advocate as a as a mentor is so important. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.